Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. It's week four of our compilation episodes, and this week it's all about music. We've had some incredible guests on the show from the music industry, and today's episode features DJ and broadcast legend Trevor Nelson, singer-songwriter Poppy Ajuda, DJ and breakfast radio host Charlie Hedges, and singer-songwriter Fleur East. Enjoy! Thank you so much for coming in today. I was so looking forward to having you here in the studio. Thank you for having me. I know how busy you are right now. So I guess, I don't even know where to start with you, Poppy, but I guess it'd be great if you could take us back. I know that you grew up, as I said, surrounded by music. Is it actually (laughs) true that you grew up in a nightclub? And can you tell us how you first got started in the music industry? Everybody latches onto this. (laughs) See, for me, it felt really normal. But then when I hear other people's childhoods, it's really not that normal. Um, yeah, to, it, in some respects, that's true. I, I lived between my mum and my dad's house and my dad owned a nightclub. So when I stayed with my dad, I would yeah be upstairs. And like when I'd go to bed, the bed would like shake from the, the bass. bass. Yeah, it would like keep me up at night. Um, and yeah, that was just part of my life. It didn't ever feel weird. I'd kind of, I'd come downstairs in the middle of the night and there'd be like a full rave going on and someone would lift me up and be like, David, your daughter's come downstairs, <laughs> put her to bed. And so I was really used to, as a child, one, hearing lots of different types of music, but also being around a lot of people. And I think that helped with my energy as a person. I'm very like easygoing and, I'm, and I love people and I love, actually, I find it quite hard to be alone. And I think that's probably because I'm used to being around mm. people a lot. So I think it probably... um formed who I am quite a lot yeah and then how did you go from that so from sneaking down into the into the club <laughs> to, uh, to discovering I guess your voice your sound and yes getting started yourself um I think it was something that I always wanted to do and and I probably didn't realize that that surrounding was part of that because I was always singing and and I knew the words to almost all the songs that ever existed at that time even now I can sing along to like any lovers rock roots reggae tune and not even know what it is just because when I was a child and so I think that had a played a big part in it um but then also I just I loved strong female vocalists and I think I didn't really think about it that way as a child but actually when I look back people like Pink or Avril Lavigne or even Britney um Pussycat Dolls were a favourite also, <laughs> which I don't know how I was allowed to listen to. But anyway, um, I guess it, it what felt like women who were very autonomous and independent and saying what they wanted and were very loud. And because I think that was an energy I always had as a young woman. I was always very kind of I was always too loud. I always talked too much. I was kind of always a bit too disruptive. I didn't like doing what other people told me to do. And and I think so I always kind of identified with those female artists and I was always singing and I had a lot to say and, and I wrote a lot of poetry because of that. And it was my way, I guess every child finds a different way of working out how to express themselves or how to understand their world. And for me, writing poetry and singing was, was that. And so I started teaching myself guitar um, just from online on, on um, that site called Tabs. How, can, how old were you then? I was like, well, I was singing since forever. I'd like run out of the shower with like a song in my head, had to write it down on like a piece of kitchen roll. I have so many memories of that. But I think I got to a point where I needed a way to make them into songs and I didn't know how to. 
and my sisters were in a band um and they had these like learning fake learning guitars and so I used to steal them and try and like learn to play guitar on those and then I cried all year for a guitar and I got one uh and then that was probably when I was about 13 okay yeah um and I started and I was I, I would sing in this really weird voice because I didn't want anyone to like know what I was singing about right. and um I had to really unlearn <laughs> that like habit because it was really bad for my voice but it it was kind of that was how I started and I'd I'd play at school every lunchtime I'd be in the music room it was just the the thing that felt most important to me and was always where my focus was and I that thing that ran through my whole life it I think as a woman you as a young woman you lose a lot of confidence in your teen years and that's probably when I stopped thinking that I could be those things that I really wanted to be or that I, that I was really passionate about and then I got my flow back and I got back into it I think after college mm. yeah it's interesting that you say that I think a lot of people can probably relate because mm. I think almost when you're young maybe you just kind of do everything you know what I mean you're like yeah I want to do this I can do that and you kind of I used to anyway I was I was nodding along to what you said about you know being loud and like talk mm. too much I've, I said that recently that all my school teachers that every report said Adrienne has potential but she talks too much and now I'm like I got a podcast I'm like it's come to good use but I think you know that thing of changing and you can be everything you can do every club you can do you know guitar mm. you go to gymnastics you can switch you can do everything and I think as you say when you get a little bit older and a bit more maybe self-aware and it's almost like is this a hobby or is this something that you're going to pursue and be serious and it has it almost changes and I think yeah a lot often that's the time when you become inhibited and you stop doing those things which mm. is a shame but it's great I guess that you then um yeah came back to it yeah and I guess it's 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 at that time where you learn who you are through how other people perceive you and I think as a woman there that's very coded and we we learn a lot of of our ways of being through who we think we have to be or who we think we should be and that often takes up a lot of energy mm. and actually how do you have time to do all of these million things that you want to do if you're worried about the way this person is talking to you or if you should like boys and and how you should like them and why that person doesn't like you that way or wants you to look this way or whatever it kind of it's crazy you know when you were young and people used to say to you like oh this isn't the most important thing like when you get older you're not going to care about any of that stuff mm. that was to do with like friendships and relationships and all mm. that kind of stuff and you're like yeah but it's so important yeah and it really <laughs> undermines actually the emotion that you're feeling at that time it's kind of saying to you that your feelings aren't valid it's like you're feeling this intense emotion but it's like those things it doesn't matter yeah but, but also the idea that actually they won't like you'll actually be thinking about other things like yeah. who cares if that boy doesn't like it feels ridiculous now yeah but when you're a kid it's like your whole it's it, i think it depends if how what type of person you are i was very i am and a very emotional and very sensitive person so the way that people uh react interact with me really affects me so i think I would always care so much about what other people thought or even the little things that people would say to me. And equally, I think the little things that were really good would really spur me on. So there's like a few comments I probably got when I was growing up and they I still remember them of people telling me that I could be a singer. Yeah. I could do it and I still remember like, oh, I was like, oh, really? You think I... It's not just me that thinks that. Yeah. And, and those kind of positive confirmations of your ability are so important when you're young because we're so impressionable true yeah so important I often say that you know words have power and it can be one small thing that someone says to you good or bad mm. and it stays you know like we've all got that thing that we remember like 
from 10 years ago where you're like, oh, it's crazy. Whether it's about someone can say something about your ears or about something. It's one thing. It will be but, your thing yeah. that you always. Yeah. 20 years later, you're still like, oh, that person said, you know, it's, it's, yeah. and, and equally the other way around, as you said, when someone gives you that word of encouragement, maybe that you need at that time, they could just be passing like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Mm. But to you, you're like, yes. Like, I think that's why it's so important to, especially with women, I, I'm I'm someone who I love to like, give compliments I think it's really important to like if you're thinking something and you think something's really cool or whatever like tell that person because it's such a boost mm. and I and we do need it yeah. because we, a lot of the world tells us otherwise yeah. or makes us second guess ourselves or doubt ourselves so I feel like that's like a small thing that you can do for other women around you mm. it, I, I do it with men as well if there's something that I think is productive about their personality that maybe they wouldn't see as valuable yeah. then t- to praise them on it which would mean that they might do it more and actually it's not something that is something that's toxic or whatever yeah no that's cool and I, you know I have read you interviews where you've talked before about confidence and it's it, it, it did surprise me you know and it, you said that you know you really struggled with confidence a lot especially around you know your music and I guess because you're a songwriter as well I mm. sometimes think that's different maybe to singing other people's other people's work so I guess, how did you, what changed? How did you overcome that? Um, I I was thinking about these kind of things before and it's funny because I'm a really, as a person, I'm very outgoing, I'm very confident. I'm, I'm not someone who's shy, an extrovert, I mm. guess you'd say. But I really did struggle when I was younger with that feeling of not being good enough or not being sure Um and it, it really inhibited me from doing a lot of things. And I think what I realised is that no one else is going to do it for me but me. And so actually the most important thing I can do is believe in myself. And and as long as I do believe in myself, I can really do anything. Because if you don't even think that it's possible, then you haven't even began to try because it's not something that exists yet. Mm. So as long as you think something's possible, then anything can be achieved. And... That was something that I really had to learn because no one was going to... People can't believe in you for you. And as much as anyone might try, it won't work as long as you don't believe in yourself. So that really changes everything. I think it's funny because... I think it's a, a mixture of things. I think it's believing in yourself and also working really hard at your craft so that you're actually really good at it. Yeah. Because part of the reason you might not believe in yourself is because you're not there yet and because you know that you have things that aren't perfect or aren't quite right or you could be better so if you really believe you can do it you're really going to push yourself to get to that I'm sure you know as someone who is in sports it's like there's so much about pushing yourself to a limit which I think is really hard for a lot of people is to actually get to that point that's on the other side yeah and um I love that you said that though do like the work and the craft because mm. I think often as you said it gives yourself proof so mm. thinking about yeah relating it to running it's it's that you give yourself the proof every time you do it you give it so for example in a moment of of low confidence but maybe you've got a race or something and you're like actually if you know you haven't trained you know you've missed training you, sessions you've yeah. missed this you, say, you know you're setting yourself up for failure but when you know you're like I have done the work yeah it's like doing an essay yeah an exam does not have to be scary and I used to have this with because I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic so exams used to be the most scary thing for me ever when I was a kid they had to take me out of the class because I would freak out and I remember in my final year of uni in my third year I remember sitting down and being like I'm so excited to write this paper because there is nothing they can ask me that I don't know yeah. and I had and it was like it's a three hour exam and you have to write for three hours and 
it was so fun. I, literally everything. Yeah, I was ready. And I think it's the same with anything. And don't be someone who hasn't tried to have a craft. It's so important and it never goes away. Mm. If you learn to do something really well, that skill never goes away. And sometimes when we're young, we feel like many other things are more important, like our image or our followers or whatever it is, our personalities. But actually, when it comes down to it, you can get that at any point, but no one can take away from you your ability to be an amazing at what you want to do. Mm. And so it's just like confidence and skill and you're kind of good to go. You can yeah. achieve anything. Yeah, they go hand in hand. For yeah, sure. for sure. Amazing. And I mentioned at the start that your lyrics often provoke, um, you know, thought and sometimes debate maybe about some really, really important topics. Mm. And it seems that your fans really connect with you because of it. So what's that process like? So, you know, when it comes to songwriting, do you write with a specific person in mind? Who do you want to hear your message? What's that process like? I think when I started... I didn't have someone specific in mind uh, apart from myself and and writing is a big therapy for me. If I can't write, then I'm going to fall apart probably because I have to be able to make sense of what I'm feeling and and writing is a way to get that out. And um, if I can't write about it, then I don't really understand it, if you know what I mean. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, when someone teaches you something and then you have to write it in your own words and you're like, oh, I wasn't listening at all. I don't know how to write in my own words. It's kind of like that. And... um, so when I when I first started, I was just in terms of like she's a psalm or tepid soul. I was working out who I was as a woman, and that I she was a psalm. I was working out that I had a voice and I could use it. And I was quite angry at that time because I was realizing all these things, well, things I already knew, but I was reading a lot about feminism and I was studying it, and I was upset about how much we give ourselves away to other people. Mm. And so it was my anger at myself, but also my realisation that I didn't have to do that. And then a kind of call out to other women to realise that too, if they hadn't already. And I think that was the same with Tepid Soul. It was about my heritage as a mixed race woman and the kind of hypersexualization that we kind we go through, especially from a really young age. For me, it was like 13, 14. Mm. Until I performed those songs live, I didn't realise the effect I was having on other people. And I didn't... Because I think also there's a lot of identity in different cultures, but in being mixed race, there isn't really an identity at all because we're not from anywhere really looking like... Like when people look at us, they don't mm-hmm. see us as from anywhere. And they often project their idea of where they want you to be from yep. in relation to, with a lot of women, hypersexualization. And so you you kind of often feel like you're in this space, but you don't really have anyone else to talk. I don't feel like mixed race people talk to anyone else about it. Yeah. And so until I performed, I didn't realise, but there were mixed race people who would put their hands up or whatever or shout or say to me afterwards that I really felt what you were saying. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about all the other people. And so I think as that happened, I really learned how important it was to be that for other people and to help them feel that unity and that idea that because that's what music does for a lot of us is that you feel like you're not alone yeah. and even if it is just a love song it's like if you're going through a heartbreak you feel like someone else has gone through that too and that means that you'll get through it mm. and it, I think it's the same with race gender sexuality politics it's it's that feeling that you're not alone in this journey and that there's something that we can do and there are people that are there is hope that we're doing something. And, yeah. and I really felt that, especially with touring and, and that kind of thing, yeah. that I had to do this f- 
more for other people as well. So then my more recent songs have been based around that more, have been understanding certain topics like toxic masculinity and writing a song specifically through my experience, but about that in a way that men and women could gain something from listening Mm. to it. And that's become more, uh, more of a, a big part of the way that I write songs now. Yeah, well, you can you can tell for sure, and it's it doesn't surprise me actually listening to you talk that people would have that reaction and that they would feel that you know yes that speaks to me because yeah. you know I'm nodding along to what you say and you know obviously I'm a mixed race woman myself and a lot of the things you know when you said you were kind of discovering things and then you felt angry it's like you kind of I don't know myself anyway my experience was for so long. I didn't even know these things. And then mm. when you learn them, you can't unlearn them and you can't, you know, kind of, I guess, explore how that, that has affected your, your yourself. And I think, you know, you, even though your experience is so unique, everyone's is unique. Mm. As you said, when other people were telling you, like, that's my experience too. So, yeah, they're not they're not alone. But it's funny because at the time you think, it's just, yeah. just me. Well, you we learn our world as it is until anyone tells us different. And that's why, for me, like, reading is so important and learning and reading people who have had so much experience and like life ahead of them is so important to understand the world that we live in in a way that isn't just what what is normative or what we're told to understand because we all know that what we learn in school isn't the the picture of everything and Mm. for everyone and I just want to be a part of that of Mm. people learning another way of thinking about the world that isn't just boys wear blue and girls were yeah, pink yeah. and you know <laughs> but the timing I think is you know the timing right now it's like it's just a different world and the mm. pace at which the world's changing and it's you scary know, the pace yeah and the conversations you know the fact that now you can just read you can find the article you mm. can find the book you can listen to the podcast it's kind of it's there if you want it so much access so yeah. much access yeah you know I think it's so different and I hope it's going to be so different for you know my son's generation mm. it's, it's really crazy isn't it yeah yeah, it's really how crazy. different it will be. Yeah, yeah. So, what advice would you give to somebody who, I guess, maybe is trying to make it in the creative industry, maybe in music or maybe not? And you know, they, they look at you and they see your success and they think maybe they're at the start of their journey or they've been going for a while, but they're not getting, you know, what I mean, mm. where they want to be. What would your advice be to them? If you really think that you have something special and you have something to offer the world, then don't let anyone stop you. And I think don't let fear stop you or fear of doing it wrong or being embarrassed because it's really important to do it wrong and be embarrassed because how can you learn to be better? No one, anyone successful has had a million things that have gone wrong. And it's, for me, it's kind of how you choose to deal with that. You know, it's like, what do you do with those things that have gone wrong? Do you let them defeat you or do you learn from them? And so I think... My advice for anyone who is trying to make something of themselves in the creative industry is one, it's creative. So no one can tell you you're doing, if you're doing your own thing, no one can tell you that you won't be needed or useful in this world. You know what I mean? You can, if you're kind, if it's organic and it's pure and it's your story, then you can make something of yourself. There's always space. So don't, because often there will be people that will tell you that you, you're not good enough or you won't make it or they don't have the belief in your dream that you need to have because no one can see it but you until it's realized no one can see it so you have to have a really clear vision of what it is you want write lists write lists this is the best thing that I do is actually instead of just being like I want this thing make a plan for how you'll get it be tactical um, be intentional and purposeful with your actions with everything that you do Mm. have that goal in your mind and you'll find your way to it 
subconsciously if it's if you live and breathe it, mm-hmm. it that will happen and i think what you said about the fast pace it is a fast paced world and it's really hard and we do have to these days you have to give you 100% otherwise you you can't do it because yeah. everybody's running at a million miles an hour and yeah. it's that's the one kind of negative thing about the way that our society is going is is that fast pace that is sometimes hard to keep up with yeah so you really have to like have your head screwed on and and believe in what you do and not kind of get distracted by the world around you by the people saying things by people doing other things don't let it stray stray you from what you see yourself doing or being Take me, music is my reason for broadcasting. I could broadcast now and do other things. I get offered to do a lot of things, but my plate is full with music. So I sort of look at it and I go, okay, that's what I do. Music's what I do. It's great. How do I stay hungry after 30 years of doing this? I find a way. I find a way to re-motivate myself. I look at young people now. There are loads of radio stations at all different levels now to join. Loads. There are lots of ways, if, if you want to be a producer, if you want to make music, there's lots of ways of getting your music heard. Just post it. Just share it. If you're any good, share it. Mm. If you're any good, you're going to get feedback immediately. You don't need to sit in a record company like I used to run a label for EMI. And I had a thing where, let me give you an example. Mid-90s. I get a demo tape. Well, not demo tape. I get a call. We had loads of demo tapes. Gosh, I used to listen to them. They were horrible. <laughs> but then you get a call from somebody in the know. It's just like, listen, I, there's somebody worth meeting. And you, then you pick your meetings. So you're in a little office in a big building, a bit bigger than this room. And see ya. World-renowned, famous singer, great songwriter, incredibly successful. Not young, mm-hmm. because she came to see me. In the 90s. Right. Definitely talented. Not a star. In the 90s. This is really important. Mm. Not a star in the 90s. Listen to her stuff. That's why I'm meeting you, because I really love your stuff. Quirky as hell. Really funny girl. Really, just, I really loved her. Couldn't sign her. Knew it wouldn't work. Ten years later, she's writing songs. 20 years later, she's a global star. Mm. You're like, because in this day and age, the world can accommodate Sia, as it did Ed Sheeran, as it did Adele, as it did Rag and Bowman, as it did all these non-Kylie-looking people that we were programmed to sign. Do you Mm. see what I mean? Yeah, the timing wasn't right. Timing wasn't right. And interestingly enough, when I um, left my job at EMI, which wasn't highly paid for what I did, I was head of A&R at a label, I could have made it higher pay, but I, I didn't feel I earned it. So I left. I got a, I got the MTV gig, and I was doing MTV and Radio One at the same time. And I thought this is, it's not right that I'm signing artists and having the, I'm the guy everyone goes to. Mm. So what do I what am I going to do with my artists? Am I going to play them? Didn't yeah. feel it was right. So I left. What? You're not leaving? Are you mad? I'm like, yeah, I am. Well, double your salary to do one meeting a week. My lawyer got this cracking deal. And he said to me, oh, I got you a great deal. It's like double your salary, one meeting a week. And I said no, and he was no longer my lawyer. Oh, 
basically. How did you do that? How did you? Because when you say it now, people are like, okay, how, in the moment, were you not thinking, I might regret this, you know? No. No? No. Was it gut for you? What was... No, it was, it's what everybody does now anyway. They don't mm-hmm. do what I did. They just take the money. No one bats an eyelid. Yeah, good for you. You've earned it. With me, it was, I don't want anyone ever looking. Like, you've read my CV, and anyone listening who knows who I am will go, yeah, and he's done more than that. A lot more. Right, no, but I'm just saying, but no one can say I've ever done anything untoward, you mm. know, in my career. It's really important to me. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Mm. This is a work, This is a generation now who demand free stuff, right? <laughs> demand sponsorship, need sponsorship. This is the joy you guys have that we didn't have. Mm. I got nothing at the time. So every, every day you had to go, right, okay, got to prove my worth, got to prove my worth. And I think, I genuinely think, I, I love the fact someone can be sponsored, backed for what they do because someone likes you and, and likes what you're about and likes what you stand for and want, want your name associated with their brand. I think it's fantastic. I really do. And I'm not judging anybody who, who does that. The people I do judge, though, are people who want to get somewhere in life to get free stuff. Yeah, they want that stuff, but they don't want the other yeah, you got to. Yeah. If you're listening to this, right, I would say to you, you'll get found out. Yeah. You've got to have substance. It's really, really important. I, maybe I'm over the top in my head about it, but I just think you just got to have substance. No, no, you're right. I think the smoke and mirrors yeah. and the kind of all of the showy and the talk, you know, like you said, if you can, if you're talking the talk, you've got to, you got to have the stuff. It you makes know? you bulletproof. Mm, yeah. And I feel bulletproof. Amazing. Well, taking it back, yeah, you're talking about the 90s, mm. talking about, you know, MTV. And you're right, I did do, you know, a lot of research. I do my research for the show and I went back mm-hmm. way back i'm watching those interviews you know and like the lick mtv yeah. you know yeah. the the guests include you know jay-z mariah lauren hill come on you know everyone so i guess i was kind of thinking at that time first of all like what was that like you know in terms of these are the biggest people <laughs> in the entire crazy. world but you didn't look phased like you're no. sitting there on the sofa like close to beyonce yeah. i'm like these they're friends they're mates mm. you're just you know up there chilling and i'm thinking like did that become normal did that feel did it ever feel like yeah I'm, this is my job this, this is what i do now or was it always crazy it was normal normal crazy i I have to admit, I, I even sometimes, because some people post them on YouTube, mm. I've got a cupboard full of interviews and stuff. The I've Whitney got, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was, that was something else, though. I can, she, give you, I can give you so many bits on that, that sort of thing. She looks amazing, right? She looks amazing, but she's also pretty intense. She's scary. Do you know what I mean? Like, scary. Yeah, she's very scary. intimidating. She kind of yeah. was, I was all the way thinking, is she going to, is she kind of, is she, is she vexed? Is she happy? Yeah, yeah. You know? I can give you, do you want, I can, well, tell us. Basically, um, I'd never met Whitney. I've been somewhere where Whitney was once in America, and I saw a side of Whitney that no one, no one from our end had seen, and it all came out later. The totally presentable Whitney and the kind of high Whitney, you know, mm. and it was only if you're behind the scenes at a record label in the, in the business, you might have seen that with some artists. It was a night new edition reformed, and I and I flew. I think it was Washington or somewhere like that, and all the black music industry were there, puffy, everyone. Yeah, because Biggie had been killed um, a year or so earlier and Puffy was with bodyguards and it was really weird. But um, a one-on-one interview, she was by far the most intimidating interview I've ever done. But I think I held my own. You, you know? certainly did. She, they shut down HMV for Whitney one evening. There was a queue going down Oxford Street of people waiting to autographs and signatures for a new album the album was um the album the r&b album she did you know 
It's not right. It's okay. Yep. My love is your. All My that love. Stuff, yeah, right? I love it. Dope album, right? So the good. first proper R and B album she ever made, mm. and only proper R and B album she ever made. Because yeah. before that, it was all pop ballads and yeah, and really pop. So she's got to come talk to me. That is how I had it. Yes. <laughs> you got to have Trevor. You're the guy. Yeah, I get, so I get the call. And, you know, our show was so so powerful at the time. The Lick was such a big deal that we got everybody. Everybody wanted to do it yeah. because they used to come in here and doing a bit of Top of the Pops and some dodgy interviews with people who aren't invested in black music, who just ask them the most basic questions. And also they got a guy who clearly knows his stuff and... Wow, and the crew, really multiracial crew, and it's am I in England? You know what I mean? Am I in London? You know, it was a bit like that. So that's why we got the love. Um, so anyway, I'm sitting up in a room, probably in the store. You've probably seen it, and Whitney, Whitney sits opposite me. And I tell you what, Jay Z, no problem. Lauren Hill, although I was in love with Lauren Hill, no problem. <laughs> of course, Beyonce, no problem. I knew Beyonce from seventeen, sixteen, so we were always good, right? Yeah. And all these people, but Whitney. Mariah even, a, a fluffy kitten, <laughs> diva, 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 J-Lo, all of them could handle. Whitney, you know you're sitting opposite Whitney. I love that, though. Yeah. I love that. I felt in a, in a sweating going on, right? <laughs> but I'm keeping, the, the, I'm keeping my exterior calm, and she's getting made up, sort of fixed up, and she's got her bodyguard standing behind her, who rumored, was rumoured to be... A very, very close friend, mm-hmm. right, as well. There are all these things bouncing about at the time, at the time. And I sit there and say, um, before the camera's properly rolling, good flight, good flight, nothing. Oh, no. I mean, nothing. Oh, no. Nothing. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, whew, it's going to be, this one's going to be tough. Wow. But a minute later, she goes, yeah, it was fine, thank you. And I went, ooh, I know how this is going to go. Oh. I'm in control of this interview. <laughs> but, you know, we, she, we had a good interview. I got what I wanted. She got what she needed, which is her talking about her music and her album on a very, very specific platform, directly to R&B fans, which is really important for people like that who are pop artists. So you go into interviews like that, and really they don't have the power. You have the power. They need you. Yeah, you're doing her. They you're need, doing Whitney a favour. Well, no, I don't want to sound like that, but <laughs> they kidding. they do need you to give it yeah. that tick of the album's banging. Do you know yeah. what I mean? By the way, you know that kind of vibe. Yeah, and they want that. They want yeah. that, and and they want to be. And she wanted to be. I'm hip hop, you know, heart. And yeah. the the thing that I didn't realise is prior to that, she's getting these dodgy interviews. She's getting people probing. She's getting people asking about Bobby all the time. She's getting. Do you, you see what I mean? So mm. they're weary. Yeah. So that's why she was more like that than ever. And no. She was fine. Mm, it was wow. fine. And it was the biggest test as an interview for me. Yeah. It just was, you know, but everything else was easy. Amazing. I love it. Oh, my gosh, everything I could listen easy. to you all day. I've got stories on every interview. Of course you have. Loads. I'm Loads. not going to let you leave. Well, I, I started singing really young, like literally from the minute that I could talk, really, because my parents used to play music through headphones onto my mum's stomach when she was pregnant with me. So the minute I could like make a sound, I was singing. So I always had that and it was just like a hobby, something that I enjoyed doing. And then my parents would always push me to sing in front of people and I hated it with a passion. I was just so shy. I didn't want to sing in front of anyone. It was like my secret passion that I didn't want to share. And then they encouraged me and supported me. And I started going to like after school clubs and just performing like in my local area and things like that. And then 
I finished uni and I was like, I really need to pursue this. So I was in so many girl bands, like thousands <laughs> of girl bands. Like it's unreal the amount of girl bands I was in until I finally went, no, nah, I'm just going to do this on my own. Okay. And then DJ Fresh was putting together a live band at that time. And my manager sent him a demo of me and he was like, I want you to be my live vocalist for my tour. Wow. So I toured with DJ Fresh for two years. Mm. And that was, this was all before X Factor. And that was incredible because it was like at the time where Hot Right Now came out and that was Rita Ora's debut single. So we toured with Rita. We performed with Dizzy Rascal, Miss Dynamite. So many people came mm. on stage with us. And I learned my craft through doing that. I performed on so many amazing stages. And I guess that was like my apprenticeship in a way, like mm. my work experience. And then after that, I thought, this is it. I've made it. Like, it's all going to happen. And mm. it was a lot harder than I thought. And then Hex Factor came along and I thought, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So did someone like suggest, you know, to kind of in your management to go or did you just decide, oh, I'm just going to give that a go? Well, it was funny because me and my boyfriend would watch it. Like, I'd force my boyfriend to watch it every year. And then we were sitting down that one year, like the year before I did it. And my boyfriend was like, you annoy me so much. Like you're sitting here watching this. You should be on there. Yeah. He's like, you can perform. Like you've done so many things. Like just get out there. People just need to see you. And I was like, you don't know what it's like. You're not going to be on TV in front of the nation. If it doesn't work out, what am I going to do? And, mm. you know, so I was very reluctant. And then I just thought one day, what have I actually got to lose? Like mm. it's not happening. I've tried every other way. Like been signed to labels, like did all of that. And I was like, this is kind of the last path that I haven't tried on my mm. own. So I decided to just queue up in yeah. Birmingham yeah, and did it. And thank goodness you did. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was amazing. Let's who, you know, we cannot forget that epic performance of Uptown Funk. Blur. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you put that song on the map, you know. No that one is so funny to me. Like <laughs> No one knew that song until you did that. I was like, what is this tune? So I know. And it was such a risk because I thought on these shows, people vote for songs that they know and they love. So I was like, this is a huge risk because no one's heard it. But then it was just such an incredible reaction. It was mega. Honestly, <laughs> mega. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So as you just discussed, you know, in your in your journey, there's mm. inevitably going to be setbacks, challenges, rejections, yeah. you know, that industry is tough. So what advice would you give to anyone who kind of struggles with that? Yeah, I always just say, remember why you're doing it, <laughs> because I, I always say to myself, the minute that I don't love and enjoy what I'm doing, then I'm just not going to do it anymore. Mm. Because there's so many hurdles, like you say, and there's just so many difficult challenges that you have to face all the time being in the industry, being on a platform where everyone can criticize you. Mm. Like everyone's open to criticizing you and you're just, you just have to take it basically. And if your love for what you're doing isn't strong enough, then I don't think you can withstand all of those challenges. I think mm. if your passion is strong enough and you're like, I'm doing this because I love music or I'm doing this because I love to sing, then I think that that will just, 
that will stand you in good stead. I think that will mm. keep you going. Just remember why you're doing it. Remember the core of what mm. you're doing. Do you think you have to have a certain kind of personality though to be able to, do you know what I mean? Like be mm. thick skinned and resilient. Cause I think, I don't know, like, do you think you've got tougher at dealing with that? As you said, everyone can have an opinion. Maybe that's yeah. about what to wear, how to look, how mm. to sound, what to say. Like, I think for some people it would probably just, yeah, break them down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's been many times where I've literally just been at home and I've posted something, and then I read like one nasty comment, and I'm like, "What? They don't even know me!" Like, you know, <laughs> just like going crazy. And then I'm like, "Blur, just relax, pull it back." Like, it's one person. Yeah, you know, like you know why you're doing this, and your family are proud of you. And that's the main thing. So you need to have like a really tight unit around you. I think if you know who your friends are, you know who your family are, and they keep you grounded then yeah, you just kind of have to dust it off. But you definitely have to be really tough <laughs> to deal with it because it is, people say nasty things. Yeah. And I guess when you go on a show like The X Factor and it's so huge, then you, I know you've done the things before, as you said, yeah. like the stages and everything, but then from a public perspective, I guess that kind of catapults you, right? So yeah. how did life change after the show? Well, yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people say typically of um, talent shows or reality talent shows, there's like a stigma attached to them and people are like, oh, you just wandered off the street and you're a star overnight. And people don't realize that there's a whole story before you get to that stage. So when you see the cliche moments of, this is my last shot, everything's riding on this. It pretty much is for a lot of people because mm. before you take the plunge and you go on that show, a lot of people have been trying and grafting in the industry. So it's not like we've just walked off the street and we're, you know, just taking a stab at it. Oh, let's just try, try our luck. You know, it's people who are really passionate and it's, it is our dream. Like, you know, we've been trying to do this for years. And in some ways I say that it would be a lot easier to struggle and do all of that without the public watching you. Sure. Like in a lot of ways, doing that on a show like The X Factor is harder because mm. everyone's judging you as you're growing and as you're developing and as you're finding your style as an artist. Mm. So it is really, really tough in some ways, but everyone's got different paths mm. and how they make it. There's there's so many different ways to make it. And yeah, I'm just I'm just really glad that I, that I did it actually, because I, I felt like I'd tried everything. Mm. I had a lot of experience, but I just needed the right person to see me. Yep. And so, yeah, it was like the perfect platform. So let's talk about the power hour. As I mentioned, I am an early bird flirt. I don't know if you know this about me. I get up kind of between 5 and 5.30 every day. Wow. I know. And people are always like, why? You're crazy. But over time, they've kind of, I think I'm convincing people to realise, like for me, that yeah. is my magic time. It's my power hour. It's my uninterrupted time. It's when I do my best work. Mm -hmm. It's when I, yeah, it's just become a thing. So now I'm asking people, like, what time do you get up? Mm -hmm. What's the first thing that you do in the morning? And what does the first hour look like? Interesting. Because for me, like, my, my schedule is so all over the place that you know I'll have a good run of like waking up at seven like at the minute it's seven o'clock mm -hmm. every morning my eyes open before my alarm or anything and I'm up at seven and then I work out before I eat mm -hmm. so I like to do like a fasted workout because I feel like then I earn my breakfast okay. <laughs> like then I have the breakfast <laughs> of champions after I've worked out Feast. yeah typically like a minimum probably be like a 45 minute workout that's like a minimum but I can go on for like an hour and a half. Really? Some days. Yeah. Like wow. if I'm in the zone, yeah. I'm like, yeah. If I'm like rushed and I need to go somewhere early, then 20 minutes. Minimum. Minimum. Like I feel like 20 minutes is a good, good, good slot of time to mm. do a workout. And then I'll have a nice breakfast afterwards. And then 
then I'm set for the day and I'll always work out to music. Yes. Because that really like pushes me. And would you through. say that's like a non-negotiable for you? So if you were like, you said your schedule's different mm. all the time. Like, you know, if you were really busy, would you ever have like, because people will say that to me. That's not to say it's an excuse, but it's a circumstance. People go, well, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Would you mm. ever go like two, three, four weeks? Or are you like, no, this is non-negotiable for me? Oh no, I can't wait that long. Like, I need to just try and fit it in. Like, mm-hmm. like you say, my preference is to work out in the morning, but... If I can't and I know that I've got time in the evening, then I'll just do a late night workout mm. and I'll just get it in. And then sometimes that helps me get to sleep really? <laughs> yeah, really? because I'll like go hard in the workout and then have a shower and then I'm like ready for bed. And yeah. It's... So, yeah, you just adapt. You can always find time. Mm-hmm. If it's I, important. You, you can you. always find time. Yeah. Mm. And when it comes to, I guess, your like, you know, your creative thing. So, you're, you know, you're a songwriter as well. Mm. You're not just a singer. So how do you, I guess, cultivate time to to be creative, to write, you know, to kind of block out all the distractions of the mm. world and just focus on your own work? Yeah, that's interesting because inspiration comes in so many forms. Mm. So sometimes I'll just be walking along the road and I'll just get an idea come to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And then I'll get my phone out and just record it. Yeah, really? So like, it's it's not always like dedicating time necessarily. I, I feel like, well, everyone's inspired in different ways, but I like listen to people. Like I might be on the train and I'll hear a conversation and I'm like, oh, that's such a cool idea for a song. Or my friend will tell me something that's happened in their lives and I'm like, that's amazing. I can write about that. Or watching films inspires me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I watch movies and like the soundtracks will inspire an idea. Or mm-hmm. So I'm like constantly creating, I feel. I don't really dedicate necessarily a certain amount of time, but my, my downtime when I switch everything off is when I have a bath. Mm-hmm. That is like the time. Yeah. Literally I switch off, run my bath and lay in the bath for yeah, me too. ages. And I'll just think about things and just shut everything out because we're so busy we're always like running around and it's nice to just have your like me time yeah oh my gosh me too i love the bath and what you're saying then about you know you're creative so when you're on the go you might just like you say get inspired by this get inspired by that how do you like so once you've got your idea and Mm. you've you know you've got an idea for a song or maybe a melody or whatever how do you i guess like it must be scary to like put that out to other people and then get their reaction because once you've done something you know what i mean it's like (laughs) this is my baby and then i feel like that about this show yeah so then it's like you know what i mean you then share it and hope that people respond and like it right yeah it's very scary it's scary because you love it obviously because it's your idea and then the minute you have to share it with people like even going into a studio session Mm. if I've got an idea I'll be like uh so I was thinking maybe this (laughs) and there's always like hesitation or there's a little disclaimer like yeah no no no, it's just just a rough idea like it's not anything like we don't have to go there like everyone's really self-conscious because Mm. you have to like bear your soul with people when you're creating with them so yeah, I'm always like <laughs> quite scared to do that. But then that's like a bit of self-doubt, I guess, that creeps in as well. Mm, you know, yeah, we, we, we all, all have, have that. All have I it. have that. Like people are always like, Flo, you seem really confident. Like, do you ever have doubts? Are you ever shy or worried yeah. about things? I'm like, yeah, we all have that. You yeah. just have to, you have to fight through it. You have to push past it. Mm. And do you ever have to kind of, I guess like fight for your idea so say for example mm. you just said if you pitch something and then and they're like no we're not feeling it but you really love it yeah. do you ever like push back and be like no I think this is good this is gonna work yeah I do yeah 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 there's been times where I've really put my foot down amazing and I've been like nah this is good let's just go with it like yeah. don't kill the vibe like let's mm. just roll with it or if they're really adamant which I've never really had that situation but if they if anyone was I would just do another session with someone else Really? And just and keep the idea alive because yeah. sometimes it won't work in that one day mm. or the people you're working with it doesn't make sense or the vibe isn't right but just hold on to it I always hold on to it I won't 
I won't let it go. I won't let people like talk me out of it. Yeah, I like that because I think in, in any industry, I think we all sometimes have whether it's an idea, a project, something, mm. even when, you know, like I said, people ask me questions online, it might be about they want to start a podcast or they want to start a blog or mm. YouTube or something. And I think often, yeah, if one person says, well, that idea is rubbish or who's going to watch that, it can't, you know, that can't stop you. If no. you think it's going to be good, you've got to push through. I'm like the, the motivator in my friendship group. So like a lot of my friends come to me, we meet up and then they'll be like, Flirt, I've got this idea. And I know that I can come to you because you're not going to judge me and you're going to encourage me and you're going to give me the energy that I need to go out there and do it. So they'll come to me with like the crazy, what they think are the craziest ideas. Mm. Like, okay, I just want to leave my job and I want to just do a charity. And I'm like, do it, do it. Yes. And they're like, yeah, but, and I'm like, okay, start doing it now. Like, you know, let's find solutions. Yes. And I'll just give them the motivation because I just think we're all here once mm-hmm. like why hold back like if you have a dream just go and chase it like fulfill it do it accomplish it you know it's it's you know we too many people actually have regrets there's a lot of people I talk to are like oh I really wanted to sing but I didn't do it because I was too scared and my family were like you're not going to make money doing that and now I look back and I'm like oh I wish I did it and I'm like oh I don't want to be you know 20 years from now 30 years from now I go I, I wish I did that mm. and I held back I just think live to your fullest potential yes. why not I love it this is what I say to people yes. and this is what you just described then about your friends I also do that I love it I'm telling people the same thing yes Fleur yes, <laughs> yes. so I also have a power hour challenge for the listeners so I'm Ooh. sure they're feeling mega inspired right now so the challenge is just to kind of say to them this week if you've got one hour to dedicate to yourself mm. to improving yourself your life like going after something as you said you know not putting it off what could we try this week um i would say write down your goals okay that's a big thing Mm -hmm. because i don't do that really a lot of the time but whenever i do i I find like i have a real focus Mm -hmm. like so and that's the first step as well like if you write down what your aims are and then you kind of go okay how can i get to those aims like just plotting and planning Mm -hmm. like you know they always say um if you fail to plan you plan to fail oh yes people you've got to have a plan (laughs) yeah you you have to otherwise you're kind of just like wandering aimlessly (laughs) like so i'd say just sit down for a minute like or an hour Mm -hmm. power hour an hour sit down dedicate an hour write down what you want to achieve Mm. for the year like we're still at the start of the year really yeah write down what you want to achieve when do you want to achieve it by how can you realistically achieve it? Mm-hmm. And it might just be a small step. It might be like, oh, well, I know this person who might be able to put me in touch with the right person. Reach out to them. Send them a message. Send an email. Do your research. Yeah. Research is key. Yes. Do your research because it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that helps so much. Just build your network. Well, look at us here now. Yes. Exactly. That's the thing. I've had to kind of really, you know, reach out to people and be bold and be brave and go, uh, would you like to come onto my show? And yeah. I think, as you just said, writing things down, it cements that idea mm-hmm. because we all, I don't, I believe that every single person has wonderful ideas, mm. but what they don't do is take action. Yes. People don't take action. They just have these wonderful ideas for, for and like you said, their whole life maybe, mm. and they never take action. So I think even just putting pen to paper, yes. it cements it like there it is mm-hmm. yeah Definitely. love that please get involved guys let us know as well if you are taking on the power hour challenge music moves 
everyone. You know, yeah. yesterday morning, I woke up, I listened to Beyonce live at Coachella, I had it blasting in my kitchen. And it, <laughs> honestly, it set the tone for the rest of my day. Yeah, it and it's just such a mood boosting thing. And it can help you shift state. And, you know, I think now about if you look on Spotify, even all the different playlists, we can soundtrack our lives, everything from cooking to running to stretching meditation. So and also, I love the fact that for a lot of people, we have these like music memories you know you can think of a specific summer or a breakup or you know that's all attached to music so for you looking back you know was the do you have a memory or a specific music or an artist that sparked your passion for music I think like again because my parents my parents were when I was younger into so much different types of music they still are so I grew up listening to you know a lot of Prince a lot of Lenny Kravitz um Al Green, and then the other side of it, a lot of house music, Fatboy Slim, a lot of Cold Cox, a lot of, you know, a a real variety, a lot of indie music, Razorlight, Oasis, um, the Kooks, Arctic Monkeys. So I think for me, music is life and, and, and always will be and always has. And I'm exactly the same as you. It can completely set the mood from the start of the day or, or even halfway through the day if you're having a bit of a wobble. Music, stick it straight on because it does completely change everything. And I think one of my best memories was... um my 21st birthday actually there was about there was probably 30 of us um we all went to Ibiza and I, I'll never forget it was one of those moments where you're in that club you dreamed about this moment of going somewhere like Ibiza and listening to this type of music and I just remember thinking this has changed me forever it, I, I don't know why it was that sense of community being in a club with thousands of people being with my family it's, yeah, I'll never forget that moment, really. But like you said, music is so powerful and it, and it unites everyone as well. I love the fact that you can be listening to any types of music with anybody all over the world and you become one person. Mm, yes. Yeah, I love that. Being in a crowd, as you described then, like oh. when you're at a festival or a concert, live music for me, being at a concert where, you know, it's cranking and it's so everything from the bass, the vocals. It, yeah, it is transformative. Oh, and I guess and as well, as you said about, you know, connecting people, I think everyone can have a different kind of, you know, genre of music that they like or a different artist. But when do you ever say to someone like, what kind of music do you like? And they're just like, I don't like music. You know, everyone <laughs> likes music. So it's kind of, yeah, I guess it is a good way for, for us to connect. And given the situation right now, you know, this this COVID crisis that we find ourselves in, it's a global thing. And I think actually, you know, some things often, you know, that impact one country or one specific demographic of people. Yeah. But it's rare. I mean, obviously, it's incredibly rare that something would impact the entire globe at the same time. Um, and I know that you've been doing uh, lockdown lives, you've been doing hosting live sets and <laughs> yeah. events and raising money. So usually when you're, you know, hosting a, a set, you'd have the crowd, you'd have the energy to feed back and you're like orchestrating that. So how have you adapted, I guess, and what's the response been to the to the online events? Do you know what? It's been so much fun, so much fun. Like when I initially set up in my living room, the first set I did, um, I was laughing to myself really because, yeah, like you said, obviously you're used to um, a load of people uh, in a club or at a festival and everyone just, you know, we're all in this together. But in a weird way, we're still all in this together, but from our living rooms. And the responses have been so, so lovely. Um, I've done quite a few live sets now, like you said, um, 
a few for the NHS as well, which has been amazing being able to be a part of raising a lot of money for the NHS, which is lovely. And the responses are awesome because obviously it's no different, really. If you look at it logically, it's no different to being in a crowd. People can still shout at you and still hold banners up. And people have been communicating via Insta Live. Um, I've been shouting people out. I've had a lot of fun with it. And again, like I always try to see the positive in, in any negative, really. Um, so I'm just grateful that I've been able to still DJ, to be honest with you, um, mm. and, and just be a part of the community that I love. Yeah, amazing. And this show's going out quite soon, actually. So do you have any others coming up where we can um, we can get involved? Oh, oh, yes, I have, actually. Um, I haven't got a date for it yet but I know within the next two weeks I am going to be doing one for Ibiza Rocks because I was supposed to be playing out there in May and August this season mm. um, obviously the May one's definitely cancelled at the minute so yeah so I am going to be doing one for them within the next two weeks so that'll be fun come say hello <laughs> yes I'll look out for it on your on your Instagram okay so I guess yeah talking again around the the industry and the fact that you've carved out such an amazing career for yourself and it's you know over a long period of time and you know there's been so much change I guess with digital and social and streaming and all of that and you know as the host of or the co-presenter of the breakfast show alongside Ricky and Melvin you all share the stage you all share the spotlight but you've always your voice is always at the forefront of the conversation so you know, the music industry has predominantly been very male-led and I don't know if that's changing. I mean, you probably will be able to tell us if you think that it's changing, but how did you, have you ever found it challenging to kind of find your voice in that space? Do you know what? I've always tried to, um, again, another a thing I've got to thank my parents for really was to always just work hard, um, given any situation, regardless if you are the only woman in the room or whether there are 10 women. Um, I, I think that it's just about picking people up, supporting other people, whether that's male, female, um, whoever you are, just being supportive of each other. And yeah, of course, like you're saying, I mean, over the years of course there you know going back there were a lot less women in the industry and I just think it's wicked that one of one of my most exciting things is when I do go to a club or if I'm at work to see other women playing it still gives me that buzz because I I just love it I love seeing other women doing well of course I love seeing other men doing well as well but I I never forget I've got one example where um (laughs) it was in Ibiza and I was DJing and I was playing in this club finished my set and I overheard this guy say oh my gosh that's a woman DJing I thought it was a man He was like, yeah, I I mean, looking at her coming in, I thought she was going to be rubbish. (laughs) Did that not infuriate you, though, as to that stigma still that like, oh, you know, having an expectation that it's a female DJ or a female in any in any job and they expecting to see a man and therefore thinking, oh, she's not going to be good. That would have I would have been livid, I think. Do you know what? I wasn't livid because I was like, do you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to completely prove you wrong. And this is why being calm, cracking on with work and not letting things bother you always works because at the end of my set, that same person came over to me and said that was one of the best sets he's ever seen. And he's, he apologised for what he said. So I never try to get angry. It's not worth it. It just, yeah. just you know, girls out there, especially if you're listening right now, know your worth. Be who you want to be. And work hard. You you are as good as anybody else. And I honestly believe that. So I feel like if you've got 
that positive thought in your mind, then you'll just go for it and you'll smash it. You'll be absolutely fine. And yeah, don't listen to any rubbish if anyone says it. That's that's the easiest way around it. I am absolutely loving these throwback episodes and I really hope that you are too. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Have an awesome week. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.